Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Be Yourself and Love It podcast with your host, well me, Anthony Samaroff. I have just put out a book and it is free. It's on overcoming procrastination and you can get it at beyourselfandloveit.com forward slash do it. For now, enjoy this out of the ordinary episode with my special guest. He goes by many names. Chris Dioji, <laughs> Darren Dioji, Chris Darren Dioji, Darren Chris Dioji. Whatever you type in, you will find him on Google, YouTube, Facebook, and he does have unique insights to offer the world. Thank you so much for joining me on the Be Yourself and Love It podcast. Thank you so much, singular named Anthony. How I wish I had kept my life simple than shenaniganing with my name. It seemed like such a good idea at the time. Little did I know what a pain in the backside it would become. Well, <laughs> thanks for having me on, though. Thank you. I'm so glad to join you. We have spoken yeah. once before on my other podcast, the Scottish Liberty Podcast. So if anyone is interested in a bit of controversial politics, you can check out our previous interview. I was with my friend Tom Laird. And uh, we we did a long show. We did like 90 minutes because we just had so much to talk about. So no spoilers for that. But you can find it if you're interested. Master the OG. You have some unique insights about geometry, shapes, gender, and what that means on an electromagnetic level. And I think some people, when they stumbled upon your ideas, they're like, whoa, I've never heard this before. So I think that would be a great place to start. And you can, obviously, this is a personal development podcast, so we can talk a little bit about the relevance of that to people's lives and and how they can use it to, to further themselves, to help be themselves and love it. So tell us about people's misperceptions about the basic shapes well well the basic the basic shapes are one of the you know it sounds like uh, it's it's fundamental learning it's a missing piece of uh basic learning it's uh, it's, it's something we should be getting uh, at, a, at a very young age really so people tend to think well so what what's what's significant about shapes really but Shapes are really powerful in terms of because of how they impact the mind. I mean, I'll give you an example. If you were to draw a circle on a piece of paper right now and then ask somebody, what could it be? You know, and, you know, just that circle, it could be any number of things. You know, it could be a hat, the moon, the sun, uh, a hole, whatever. Uh, so our mind can use to turn certain shapes into all sorts of things. Now, if you were to then draw three circles on a piece of paper, and you draw three circles above each other, and you draw next to one of them, a one and a two, and next to another one, you write uh, the letters R and B, and next so you have the word orb, and on the next one, you do a square and a triangle, and you oh, have a lovely. circle and triangle and a square. That's so cool. That is so cool. Now, the thing is, how your mind processes number compared to how it processes shape uh, compared to how it processes letter is completely different avenues of mind. Wow. But they are rooted in shape. And whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, your mind processes everything as a shape first. Wow. And what's interesting is that when, you know, we turn some of the, so some of these shapes, 
where I become certain sigils that we use to turn into words, which then we use to express our innermost aspirations and our deepest needs and whatnot. They're the, they're like the machine code of the mind. And the problem is that the ones we've, we've been taught aren't the right basic shapes. All right. And, be, and because of that, it means at a machine code level, there's something wonky in the way um, everything that is built from the ground up. Uh, it's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, if, if the ground floor is wonky, every floor above it is. Or you then have to implement complex strategies and solutions to try and make things level off at a higher level. And that's essentially what's happened with people's minds. Because because of this wonkiness that's built in at a basic level, various coping strategies and other things have had to be brought in at a higher level to compensate for the fact that it's not actually functioning as it should. Um, it really is a bit like a virus in the matrix of mind. Um, but, but it's just a it's just a missing piece of the puzzle. That's all. It's, it's, it's not like when we get on to talk about it, it's not like it's stuff that people don't know. But it's about how arranging it in the right way so that uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa corrects itself. The Leaning Tower of Pisa of the mind corrects itself. Well, it's either going to tumble or it's going to correct itself. One of the two is going to happen. Um, but it's really massively significant because when you, whenever, whenever people talk about play, you know, changing their mind about things, they're playing at like the Windows level of the operating system. Even things like NLP is a good example, or using affirmations, which is essentially a form of it. You know, it's almost NLP-like. And what you're doing there is you're 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 making changes at the Windows level of mind. Right. You know, and it's and when it's, you want to get deep into the coding. When you, but the thing is, so but the changes are superficial then at that machine yes. code level. You can still be, it can still be very powerful. You can still have very exuberant and energized experiences. But when you make a change at the machine code level, right. everything changes. Everything changes, you see. But it takes I'm getting time. excited. Yeah. Well, it takes time for the change to permeate its way through the system. So today, obviously, we're going to hopefully upload the, you know, a partial cure to some of the virus of the matrix yeah, of mind. Yeah, we're, we're going to get a software upgrade for our listeners. That's exactly it. Yeah, software upgrade to the machine code level of mind that is going to basically, here's the things that I'm going to claim that it's going to do. It's going to restore gender balance and insight. It's going to uh, return the disconnected, disembodied Western mind back into a native indigenous mind. And I can elaborate on what I mean by that. And uh, it's going to hopefully over time uh, help you uh, become a much more, um, I suppose, assertive and composed individual. Because actually, um, this stuff that we're talking about, when we're working with certain shapes anyway, certain shapes, especially the basic shapes, which is what we're going to talk about. So the one that we looked at in the bit of paper there is one of the basic shapes, which was a circle there. And what's interesting about the basic shapes is that they can become almost anything. And certainly all of the basic shapes definitely do become a number and definitely do become a character as well. And in a very real way, what we're looking at today is the foundations of real character development. The, awesome. the machine code level meaning of character development and, 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 and how that... Uh, affects the orientation of the whole of the, the character of self. It's, uh, it's, an, it's an incredibly pervasive uh, and, and uh, impactful subject. Well, you've wet my appetite. 
And, you know, I think this is really important because if you want to build a building, you want to get the foundation sorted. Exactly. A lot of people feel like they need to be further along than they are and should um, be able to do all sorts of things that they can. And the, the thing is, if I was to hold up a ladder for you to walk up, if it was a wobbly ladder, you would only be able to go up so many steps. Exactly. But if it was a solid well-held ladder that uh, you could rely on not to fall over then you could go up much higher on that ladder yep. and i think people have difficulty because they don't have a solid foundation um, yes. so and and people are expected to take on all sorts of responsibilities that their childhood has not prepared them for uh, the school system doesn't prepare them for and it's kind of like up to personal development experts like you and I to sort of go into the world and help people uh, reparent them, help them reparent themselves so that they can develop the fortitude and the strength of character to step into their power and meet the demands of life in the 21st century. So we've done a lot of building suspense and now you need to reveal <laughs> I need to deliver I need to deliver a don't big I? secret I've forgotten what we were going to talk about again sorry it's okay. gone oh I've, I've got it no I'm only joking oh, right. <laughs> it was a wind oh, up oh it's one of those yeah. ones right yeah it was, was one of those no, it happens often enough where that really is the case it, it wasn't the case on this occasion but it, it happens often enough that I forget what I'm saying but, you um, tease the first yeah, thing I want to ask you yes. is Correct our misperceptions about what the basic shapes are, and you know, because so this thing is one is, of your core concepts. It is a core concept, and it's not even a concept. The point here is this is a correction in what we've been told. None of the things I talk about on any of my subjects, they are always they always sound like a theory first to people because it's the first time you've heard it. Of course, it sounds like a theory, but what I'm trying to say is that what I'm talking about is the objective real you know so this and isn't about... uh, intellectual exercise and entertaining but this is actually no. uh, us getting back to reality back to exactly. life back to reality exactly. as the song back once went yeah absolutely that's exactly what it is and it, it's 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 getting to the root of that wobbly ladder that you were talking about that so many people are experiencing and even people that are telling themselves that they're not on a wobbly ladder because they've got a successful job or things like that, you know, but when you look at the reality of their emotional or spiritual life, you find out that they are, you know, they're a wreck really and they're, they're just work, workaholic to stop them being present with the fact that they don't have purpose and don't have right. meaning and don't have joy and don't have self-love, you know, and uh, so, so um, Some you know. Some addictions yeah. are much more um, functional from society's perspective yes, than absolutely, others. absolutely. And sure. really, they're, they're all symptomatic of, and this is what we're going to cure here, they're symptomatic of a, a, a mental pandemic that I call mental disembodiment or mental disconnection. And it's where the, the Western educated mind seems to be disconnected from environment and seems to be disconnected from itself. And it, we use figures of speech that, that reflect that. You know, we do, we, we, we say things like, we talk about visiting nature, as, right. as if, I mean, where in the world is not nature? Right. You know, so you ask indigenous people if they have a, if they have, you know, it's like fish talking about visiting the water. Right. You know, and there's little quirks. It's like you have Western people who refer to indigenous people without including themselves. And if you ask them if they're indigenous, they pause before they reply. Right. You know, and it's like the fact that you pause, the fact that there's any doubt there whatsoever, there's something wrong here. Um, and and the, this 
subject of the basic shapes is the thing that's wrong because everybody listening to this more than likely by the very fact that they can comprehend the words I'm saying was taught that the triangles, circles and squares were basic shapes. The triangle, the circle and the square, that's what everyone believes is the basic shapes. Well, I believe that. That's what I was told. I was told triangles, circles and squares are basic shapes. You know, most people I know were taught that these were the basic shapes. Triangle, circle, squares, and then after that you'll have like rectangles, you've got pentagons, you get things like that. Okay. But what I'm contesting is, and people might say, well, so what, you know, and even if they don't have a clear answer as to whether they think they really are the basic shapes or not, to me it shows that the, the fact that there's a lack of clarity there, it's just a sign of, well, you've maybe just not thought about it, um, or you've maybe just not looked at it, not thinking about as to whether it had any significance or not, and obviously what I'm trying to do is just draw attention to the significance of it. First of all, they, they, I, you know, I do believe they get presented as basic shapes, and the point is that they're not. Um, so what I mean by that, and how do I qualify a basic shape? So I'll qualify a basic shape. Um, so a basic shape um, cannot be reduced to another shape. Right. Okay, a basic shape cannot be reduced to another shape. Um, yeah, that's simple. So uh, it's like the... I'm sure there's an analogy to that um, in, in mathematics or something like that, the most basic... Um, like... I guess an atom was meant to be like that before we yes. found out that there was stuff inside an atom. So yes, that's but, right. But um, so but in got, terms of, but an atom is still the smallest stable unit that can exist by itself. Right. You know, the rest of them are there, but they're not. They're not stable, or they don't. You know, they're they're not. Yeah, we're getting into semantic detail there. But yeah, yeah you, you are there's right. Certain, you know? There's certain facets yeah. of life where if you get to the basic. Reduce a reducible unit. Yeah. You can create many complex systems out of yes, that. Yes, that's mean, the point. Yeah. An economy yeah. is like that, right? See, if you just set up very basic rules, which is you're entitled to the product of your labour, and you can exchange that uh, with other people uh, voluntarily, then you get a um, whole bunch of different products, like just emerge from very, very simple basic rules. So I think that the universe itself obviously has certain rules of physics, biology, chemistry, and the the rules are probably pretty simple. I mean, obviously, physics gets very complicated, but the the most basic constituents of our universe, gravity, time, and things like that, three dimensions, these are basic Yes, uh, the rules of the game board are basic, right? The rules of chess are pretty basic, but mm-hmm. there's a billions and billions of chess games that can be played. That's so, it. Yeah, so, this is the case with the basic shapes. That's exactly it. So one of the other... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there. What were you going to say? No, no, so, please, please. I, yeah. I, I, so the, the other, one of the other criteria of the basic shapes is that they are everywhere. They exist right. in nature and that they have, as you say, their simplicity allows them to be present everywhere in nature. Um, And the third criteria for basic shape is because of this fractal aspect of them. So fractal is that, you know, they're all over the place, basically. Um, They scale up and they scale down. They scale up and they scale down, exactly. Um, And uh, the other thing is because they're basic, they turn up as characters, numbers, and all over the place. They're very versatile. They can become anything 
when we appraise them ideologically or or uh, artistically like when we looked at the circle earlier and asked you to muse it you ask people to muse triangles and squares and they don't really come up with that much but you ask them to muse the circle and they come up with loads and the same goes for the other ones that we're about to look at so obviously the first criteria i gave for a basic shape is that it cannot be reduced to another shape so let's have a look at the other the, the shapes that we were taught were basic shapes we were taught triangles circles and squares were basic shape well the circle can't really be reduced to another shape and um, there is one shape it can be reduced to we'll talk about that in a bit in fact let's just get out of the way now so the the, the thing that all shapes can be reduced down to is the point so the point is the ultimate fractal because it's the point of the conversation it's the point of life it's the point of the mark on the page it's the point of anything and all sigil work all character work all art is about the moving point and the shifting point so it's the ultimate basic shape that all other shapes stem from um so that's the point yeah uh, so point circle but the, if we look at the triangle and the square and we say well it's actually made up of another shape what shape are triangles and squares made up of and in fact so are pentagons the decahedrons hexagons in fact all the other shapes you were taught are made up of this shape. What would it be? I know what it is, but I Whoa. don't... You don't want to say You want to leave it to me? Well, yes. say, who's going to... Shall we say it at the same time? Three, two, yeah, one, two, a line. One. It's a straight line. Yes, indeed. It's a line. Uh, You're out of sync. You're out of I was sync out with sync. me. I was out of sync. But Shocking. I'm, I'm on... But I've got a terrible cold right now, so I've got a two-second delay on all thought and delivery processes. <laughs> well, you seem to be doing very well today. Yeah, until I erupt in a coughing fit at some point. So if I do erupt in a coughing fit or I massively sneeze or something like that, I do apologise. It's just uh, I'm a bit of a shivering, sweating wreck at the minute, to be honest. How dare you? How dare you come on my show and do a coughing fit? I will never well, it was either that or cancel. It was either that or cancel. I couldn't do that to you, especially that when you the man up. That was, that was definitely... <laughs> That's definitely <laughs> off the cards. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're so, having a lot of fun, so I'm it's sure... The line. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, the line. It's the line. It's the line. Now, the thing is, the line is, uh, is a basic shape. It can be reduced to another shape except the point. It can become anything uh, ideologically and conceptually. It can become a letter. It can become a number. It can become uh, you know all sorts of things. It exists in nature. Um, there's this strange meme going around of people saying this, you don't get straight lines in nature. I mean, I don't mean to be negative in some way, but I can only, you know, assume that this is part of the war and the, yeah, you know, some kind of war on reality or something like that. Because straight lines are everywhere in nature. I thought it was uh, just right angles that you don't get in nature. Yeah, you don't get right angles exactly. Um, you know, but otherwise, you definitely get straight lines. They're all over the place. It's just, it just seems to be some kind of, yeah, like a bizarre part of the ongoing war on reality. So it exists in nature. It's wonderful. But the thing about the straight line is that it has. Uh, a profound, profound role in our psyches as to what it means to draw a line and what it means to make a point. And by us not being taught about the nature of the line and how it works and it being really missing in our building block of our operating system of mind, and uh, it being the, you know, like, like literally a gap in one of the foundation stones, it means that loads of people are not very good at drawing lines and making points. Hmm. It's a really important part 
of assertiveness. So when you of, say that, draw yeah. the line. What we mean is, yeah. this is a boundary. Like, don't. Th- I'm not. I'm not game for this, right? You don't well, cross the line, right? Well, all of those meanings. And are everyone part needs of boundaries. Function of the line. Well, you have to look at what the function of the line is. You look in nature as to what role do lines serve. And the role is that they are boundaries, they are definers, they are the things that mark where one thing ends and another begins. And they are uh, immensely powerful for that. And the the point is that when we are talking in fractal, because the basic shapes are fractals, and because they, they fit already in the foundation of mind, it means that there is zero effort required on your part or mine to conceive that when I talk about drawing a line that you immediately know without any effort whatsoever that I am talking about more than just drawing a line on the piece of page. Right. It's effortless. It's effortless for you to slide up that ladder and conceive of drawing a line in a situation. It's effortless. And this yeah, is, and I think of cells, I think of borders around countries and, yeah. and you know... All, um, yeah. all sorts of things yes you know. now here's the thing about the line you see and th- th- this is part of the f- the function of it is because of what it actually represents or what what is what is what is uh, an expression of and it's actually an expression of masculinity okay and basically the line and the circle which are two of the basic shapes are the age-old symbols of the male and the female ah. it's the penis and the hole It's the male and the female. It's the one and the zero. It's the on and the off. It's the it's the it's the it's the originating pair. Mm. In fact, going all the way back, these shapes predate our languages. The the most ancient Hawaiian deity is the blind god Ayo. And like I'm Mm. saying, it's not Ayo, it's line circle. It's not a name. These are shapes that we've ascribed meaning to but the shapes themselves are the meaning the shapes themselves have a a, a primal a subatomic power that is incredible to tap and the the very fact that we don't get taught about it is because of the incredible capacity being able to draw a line brings us you know this is a because this is this is a a huge subject because it's a fractal subject now Mm. Can now cascade off into all hosts of of directions that that can uh, that, that can elaborate on the, the meaning and the significance of being able to draw a line. But there's more to it than that because if I was to to ascribe a character, what character would that line be? If it was to be a character from the alphabet, what would it be? I. It would be I. It would be I. And the the, 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 the the most oppressed minority group in this world is the individual. It is I. The, and, and, and the thing is, how many people subsume their own will to the will of others because they don't value the I enough? Mm. And it's really, it's, these, are, these are tied together concepts. You can't separate the concept of the I from the concept of boundary and the concept of of line drawing because they're inseparable um well no they're not inseparable because you can draw a line without it being i but it is it is a fundamental expression of um 
not going along with something, you know, because it's, it's a case of, um, so if we look at it in terms of gender for a moment, because it is gender, the line is the masculine, the, the circle is the feminine. And this is why you find a circle everywhere in nature. You know, you find it all over the place because nature builds in circles and then uses lines to define the boundaries mm. between the structures that have been built out of circles. You know, and this is a like you look at the way the wonderful blobby body of ours is held together by just a few genteel, you know, a few firm lines in the forms of the skeleton allow us to have a lot of circles and a lot of blobbiness uh, held together in great functionality. So you don't need a lot of line to have a heck of a lot of circle being uh, well supported and held sort of thing. But if you don't have any shaky lines, say imagine your body without a skeleton, you know, you've just got a blob there. And in a way, this is very much what a lot of people are dealing with in terms of their personal integrity, yeah. their, their assertion, their ability to assert I-ness um, in relation to in relation to others, you know how many people get dragged into things they don't want to do because they can't say no, they can't draw the line and say no, I'm not going to do that. You no, know? yeah, yeah. And, and it's a deep related thing. And it's like if you might have heard this short Alan Watts thing about the interplay between these two personalities. Um, he calls them prickles and goo. And yes. We, and there's yes. a pri- there's a kind of prickly kind of person, very intellectual. Uh, uh, well, I don't, I don't know if you'd always say intelligent, because if you're very intellectual, you can uh, convince yourself of anything. And I think that intellect yeah. Yeah. only becomes intelligence when it's met with creativity. So someone like Einstein was very intellectual, but he's also very intelligent. He could originate theories that other people who hadn't seen before, and so so forth. That um, so so there's the in- there's the intellectual, and we come across him, and he seems awful dry. And the prickly, the gooey people say, "You just rattle. You're just not a person at all. You're just like um, structured. You're all thought, no emotion." And these kind of guys, not that all of them are guys, but yeah, you find that it's a phenomenon that's mostly guys. They can't get a girlfriend. They look down on everyone else because they think that girls are stupid for not fancying them, and that guys are so like shallow and like unintellectual and things like that. And then on the other hand, you've got this other character who's just so vague, and you can't um, pin them down to any position or understanding. They cannot. Um, they, they lack clarity when they talk, but maybe they can paint beautiful pictures, or they're great with a guitar in their hands, or um, you never, you just never know. And they're the more feeling people, and they yeah. can, the people, some people, people who get them, see them as very beautiful and deep, and they can move around in that um, realm, but... Uh, in certain situations, they will not be able to use their <coughs> intellect to stop them from making stupid mistakes, to learn from experience, uh, because they, they work vaguely. And I think both of these extremes speak to a lack of balance, right? And it, it's quite interesting how, yes. that, how that structured, like, intellectual character, um, we would see that as a very... Uh, at least I would see that as a very masculine, yes. um, rigid structure. And yes. yeah, and yeah, they invariably don't do well with women unless it's a, a woman who's got the 
is have got a very masculine tendency, and and yet so I'm wondering if in that case what's happening is their masculine energy is just in the wrong place. It's all in their mind rather than distributed throughout. Honestly, their entirety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know. That's just my theory. I, I wonder. Interesting if theory. Think. Interesting theory. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's part of it. Certainly, um, it's a really interesting take you've got into there. The way you got I, round to that point there. I don't know uh, what creates it. I don't because you'd think if they're really masculine, they should create a polarity, and women should be attracted to them. But I think no, those are no. people who tend to be quite rigid. They can't yeah. move in the moment. They can't yeah. deal with people yeah. on an emotional level. Yeah. They're not yeah. flexible. So yeah. there's something about the and they're bad at drawing boundaries. They'll, they, they won't be able, they're often procrastinators, they won't be able to um, uh, not, uh, hold boundaries with other people, they have intrusive parents that they can't get out of their, uh, you know, influence and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. So it's like, I don't know what's happened there, like, because mentally they're masculine, but they can't draw any lines, either yes. for themselves or for others. Yeah, and I I speak to this character mm. more than I speak to the gooey character because mm. I have more experience of having this tendency. Right. Um, you know, I'm lucky that I'm a sort of hybrid that I had great depth as well as a rigid mind because I could yep. be able to over my whole life has been making my mind less rigid and instead of making this mind which i have to say like i'm lucky to have such a penetrating brilliant mind i hope no one thinks me arrogant to say that Mm -hmm. but for a lot of my life it was a burden and the whole thing was learning to make this penetrating mind that i have into a friend rather than a rather than my master you know to to, to learn to use it instead of having it colonize me and like own me Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so this is personal to me. This is personal to me, is what I'm saying. So, I'd yes, like to. Un- yes. And I, well, I, I, I've been talking a lot, but I'm desperate to have your reflections on well, what you said. Well, yeah, I'm really because because you you danced around a a, a bit there before you made a, an unexpected point, really, around this. Uh, you know, the 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 effective point maker in the mind that's not really so good. Uh, drawing the lines out in the world there and this is what I mean about the disembodied mind right. um, so what I mean is you've got people out there that have all the ideas, they've got all the points that they want to make about their life but it's not translating into changing the state of their world right, they and, can't penetrate the world yeah and it's a point, now the thing is this is the, this is the wounded masculine in them uh. because the masculine has to penetrate, it's the masculine that makes the point, this is why the male gender points out, in total gender, my background my system it's uh, basically the difference between the masculine and the feminine in many situations is simply that the male is the one that's pointing out. And it doesn't matter whether it's the ma- a man or a woman at that moment. In fact, communication itself is a gender subject. The mind we were talking about there is a gender subject. And that's why when we're talking about new thoughts, we talk about conceiving uh, an idea or to have a concept. Conception is gender. And when we are communicating, whoever is making a point is in the male role. And anyone, doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman, it changes hundreds of times in a conversation. 
And the fact that the, the people don't understand this basic gender at a foundational level, it means that all the cascading waves that it, that it spins off in life, both not just in sexuality and relating, but also in thought, it's misfiring, it's out of balance. You've got people that can't actually hear and receive each other's points because they've both got a misfiring point maker that's just ready to like make its own point and can't actually receive another's. So there's no conception taking place, there's no real listening taking place. I like to say that most of the communication around coffee tables is mental masturbation, mm. you know, because it's actually a bunch of people just emptying their load on the table. They're like, well, here's what I think, you know, but nobody's actually listening. Um, and, and real communication is a gender subject. But uh, what's going on with these, these, these individuals that you're referring to is that they've got a good point maker. They've got a good point maker in the mental realm. But you're right, the, the difference is why is this not translating into life? And the issue is to do with the basic shapes again. So here's the thing, you see, and this is why it becomes more and more significant. Because if, if I was to ask you, Anthony, what is the uh, tool that draws a line better than any other? What is the tool that draws a line better than any other? So what's the tool? You know, you could say, well, it's the pen, but it's like, well, I can, you know, of course I need a pen. I'm not going to draw a line without a pen anyway, am I? You know, okay, maybe I could use a stick or something. But otherwise, the tool that we use is a ruler. Right. Use a ruler to draw a line. Nice. Now, the thing is, again, because we are talking in a fractal here, it is effortless to know that when I'm talking about a ruler, I'm not just talking about the stick that you draw a line against, you know? I'm talking about the one who's in charge of a state. Right. Okay, the one in charge of a state. And really, the line is the product of the ruler, you know? It's the effect of the ruler. It's the it's the it's the act of the of the of of the ruler, you know, when we're drawing it like that. And in a way this is this this cascades up to being exactly the same in our interactions. So this is where um, you get so if you so if you look at in in a in a so we we have to also finally here look at the third basic shape and then I'll knit it all together if that's all right. Sweet. So the third the third basic shape that we get is the most obvious in nature and we get it in cloud formations and water formations. We 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 get it um, in shells. It's the shape of the galaxy. It's literally everywhere, and that shape is of course the spiral. Okay, you get spirals everywhere. And the spiral is what happens when the masculine and the feminine are in balance. So when you have the line and the circle energy in balance, you get a spiral, which is the line that arcs or the circle that can't complete itself. And so all three of these interact in different ways in our life. And I wait to see loads of people are going about spiral dynamics these days. But there's some fascinating details about the spiral that's significant, but I don't want to end up going digressing on the point of the spiral. You don't want to spiral out of control. I don't want to spiral out of control, exactly. We need to so, draw a line here and make a point. So that's our that's our third basic shape. We had to get it in there. Um, okay. and and really what we have because 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 most people when they're looking around will see spirally related stuff. Now the thing for us is when we are uh, I'm just trying to think how to weave this into the subject, you know, without getting too esoteric on this podcast. Um, 
So if you look at, we're going to have to look at the ruler again for a second. So, but you know, to wrap up what we're looking at on the ruler. So what else do you use a ruler for? So you've got, all right, you draw a line for it, and we've talked about conceptually that it can be a stick or the person who's in charge of a stake. But this this ruler that's a stick, it's also got some numbers on it. What and what are they for? What do we use them for? Measuring. Measuring. That's exactly right. We use them for measuring. So uh, in maths. Those numbers could be anything. They could be millimetres, they could be centimetres, they could be inches or whatever. So the general name for that is values. So you have various values and you see you use the ruler to measure values. So what you have is that um, for most people, they don't know how to measure the value of what they find inside themselves because they have a broken ruler. Right. And the broken ruler is the I that says, stick. I have measured the world and I value this. Here is my measurement. Here are my values. I am going to do this. Here are the yeah, lines I am going to so draw. To here, are the points, here are the points I am going to make. Here is the line I am going to, going to draw. And by those very deeds, by those very lines, I will have established my state in which I am the ruler. Mm. And for those who would seek to have control and power over you and your values and your creativity and your time, they can't, I mean, I don't mean to be conspiratorial here, but they absolutely cannot have you having an intact ruler. So what we have in our culture is we have a, a, basically people being conditioned to have a broken ruler where they don't trust their own measurement system. Yes. And they and look it, to, to adopt and be measured by others. Yeah. And then they have children and try and um, try and gain that power, regain that power by managing their children and they inadvertently break their children's rulers because the child wants to appear yes. as the parent wants them exactly. to. And then they go to yes. school and everything they do in school is measured by the teacher. It exactly. doesn't matter if you think it's exactly. good. It matters exactly. if the teacher and the exam board exactly. thinks it's good. So you abandon your own yes. ruler. You yes. abandon your own ruler. And if and there's a great um, short novella by Ayn Rand called Anthem. Um, and no wonder Ayn Rand is so hated. Whether you agree with her views on capitalism or anything like that, she was a champion of the individual, the individual yes. choosing their own values. And that's yes. why, that's why, despite the fact that she had lots of insights, she was uh, she's publicly hated because. Um, now, she's got a great short novella called Anthem. It takes two hours to read, and it's all about the homogenization of everyone and the reclamation of values and individuality. But what I wanted to talk a little bit about female imbalance, because we talked a lot about male imbalance, and that is being seen a lot in the world right now. But I, I wanted to talk about the female imbalance, and yeah. I, I've got some well, well, views... Let's just, let's just say that... that that because of the nature of gender, one cannot be out of balance by itself. Right. By very nature, they are both. If one is out of balance, both are. Right. So if we think about um, the feminine, and yeah. we we all have all of these um, dimensions in us. I mean, I think yes. Sh Shiva uh, was sometimes depicted. I mean, if you look at Shiva. Uh, the pictures of Shiva, he's got quite a ma feminine look 
kind yeah. look to his face and yeah. was also often depicted as uh, half man half woman even though he was a male and married because it represented the fact that he brought both his masculine and feminine side to their full potential because yeah. uh, supposedly he was the Adi Yogi, the first Yogi. We don't know if that's I don't know if that's just uh, myth or if, right, or if yeah. he really or if he really was the first Yogi. But um, so when I think of female imbalance, if we see it as the receptive principle, what yes. comes to mind for me, and I don't know if you think similarly, is um, shopaholic. Uh, on one one hand, uh, eating junk food, just putting things in, you know, um, and uh, uh, an access excess of substance use, receive. I need to receive. I need to receive. Mm-hmm. Feeling mm-hmm. insecure about money, but that's one aspect I think of female imbalance. The other thing is not being able to attract a partner, not to be yeah. able to attract the right job not being able to attract the right friends and so on because you yeah. need to be able to receive from the universe an mm. order an order and if you are one of these people who like and I've been there because I'm a coach and you want to help people but you also worry about money and charging people and I hate doing the pitch at the it's like if someone offers you money and you're like oh I don't know if I should take that you know what I mean that's like a female imbalance it's an inability to receive so yeah. I was thinking about that in terms of maybe being receptive to the wrong things and also yes. and trying to receive too much of the wrong things, like, as I said, shopaholic, but also an inability to receive the right things. Can you speak to that or add anything on top of what I've said or correct anything that I've said well, that's there's, wrong? Well, there's nothing to correct. It's a really interesting take on it. I've never heard it put quite that way. Um, yeah, there's nothing to correct it at all. So that's a, you know, so the feminine principle isn't just receiving, and the, but I love your taking it there. It's also about acceptance, and oh, uh, right. because because the line is about saying I no longer I do not accept, whereas the circles about I accept, I accept, ah. I accept. And, and all, all the great yogis have said accept the present moment because then you can work with it. If you don't accept, uh, your lack of acceptance gets in the way of you taking imperfect action. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the thing here, though, is in terms of the negative side of it, is that um, we can then start to accept our own status quo too much. Right. Or we can become overly tolerant of our own habits and uh, overly accepting of being the shopaholic or overly accepting of. Or we, and so this is all that. Uh, it becomes almost like a spiraling, uh, a downward spiral of this uh, uh, spasmic point making or ineffective point making or line drawing that then leads to, uh, you know, continued undesirable behaviours. Um, it's interesting you use the term of attraction because in, in the gender work that I do, it is an expression of electromagnetism and the electrical is the masculine. Um, so that line drawing energy, that, that the thing that produces the line is like electric charge. Mm. And the feminine principle is magnetic and radiation, mm. you know. And so this is where that attracting comes in. And you're right, it's misfiring, basically. If it's not attracting the things that you desire, then there's, there's, there's something wrong at the basics. Now, where we have to sort it out is we need to get the gender balance right within ourselves first. And then it will cascade into the world around us and attracting us the right things, which is basically every single person out there knows right now the lines they need to be drawn in their life. 
the things they need to be saying no more to, the things, the people they need to be saying no more to, the things they should no longer be accepting, no longer tolerating. These are all points that need to be made or lines that need to be drawn. And those things would assert your state, would assert the world of your eye. And, you know, if I was to say to people, if you were to be in charge of a state, if you were to be the ruler of your, of your own state, what would you like to see in it? How would you like people to live in it? How would you like them to be treated? And, uh, you know, and you as the primary individual in that state, how would you like to feel about things? And, and in our lives, whenever we let, whenever things go by that don't match up to that, and we let them go by without raising our hand, making a point and going, I don't accept this. Right. Every time we let that go by, we are letting ourselves live in somebody else's state. Right, and you're exciting me because I'm thinking about things here, right? We've got certain, like, capacities, even when we look at our body, to shield ourselves from things we shouldn't be receptive to. You know, if yeah. if you w went into water and uh, your cells didn't have a power to not just let the... Uh, regular laws of diffusion happen, all your salts would rush out of your cells into the water and all the yeah. chemicals in the water would rush into you. So yeah. at some point, we've got certain defences. You don't want to be receptive if you're in a radiation zone. You don't want to be receptive yeah. to the radiation. So if yeah. we think about that emotionally in our lives, maybe yeah. what happens is when we're childs, when our persona personalities are forming around our environment we learn to shut down our receptivity because there's poisonous influences around us and then when we can't get when we get out of that and we've got positive influences around us how stereotypical is the story of someone who's got low self-esteem finally they meet someone who thinks they're really beautiful and loves them they can't receive the love so they yep. they screw it up for example because they've still got their defenses around they didn't want yep. to be receptive by the same yep. token we learn to be receptive to things that we don't want because we're used to <coughs> and like and if you don't if you don't accept your overbearing mother's intrusions then the punishment will escalate she'll get worse so you learn to you learn to put up with things you don't and this is your teaching seems to me, I, I can't speak for you, but what it suggests to me is like going in and doing an inner order of like, where am I standing on what I receive and what I put a boundary around or what I draw a line? Uh, uh, can I audit this and say, do I need to redress the balance? Yeah. Should I be accepting things that I'm not accepting? And should yeah. I be um, placing up a barrier drawing a line before yep. me and certain things that i am receiving so you got me excited you got yes me excited. Well, that's great that's great i mean that that idea of audit i mean that's the thing once once you once you once people realize it really is, i mean this is why it's such a useful thing is to say okay the whole as even as you're walking through the street here you're the ruler of your own state you know what what is in it what is in your world what is in your state that shouldn't be there but is which means you need to bring in the old border patrol to kick them out um or or what is not in there but you want in and what conditions do you need to create to bring that in there and, but generally what, I, what what i found is everybody's life is full 
and you need to cut stuff out first right. to make room for that new. Right. Okay. And for most people, they know, because uh, I know it's certainly true for me, I know the things that I need to be doing. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it, for most people, they know what it is. They just want to do anything except that. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I'll, do, I'll do anything, but not that. Please, anything, anything. You know, and it's like, nope, the universe just wants you to do that. <laughs> yeah, and then everything trudges. So, you were talking to me before we got online, and I had to stop you because it sounded exciting and I wanted to keep it fresh, about the recent Jordan Peterson interview on Channel 4, um, and you had some things to say about it. Wow, okay, yeah, I mean, this is a... This is a mental leap from where we were, but yeah, we can do that because actually it's a really. Oh, sorry, were you not finished the? Did you have eh, something more to say on the? Did spiral? I have anything to say on it? No, no, no. That was all really because yeah, no. That point on the uh, that point about the ruling and drawing lines and making points, it really is that simple. There's other details to it, and if people want to go deeper into it, they can obviously contact me about it. But really, that is the fractal nugget. You know, that's enough to go on with. There's other, there's other details of it, but there's no point in swallowing up the whole show with them. There's enough in, I think for most people, there's enough on that where it's like, well, actually, if you just go and do that, that's going to make significant yeah. change in your life. And significant if they want change. more, they can, yeah. they can go onto YouTube and uh, find you. I that think you true. might be one of the only DOGs on there. So regardless yeah, there's not many, that's for sure. Of your first name, yeah, regardless of your first name, name you will find videos. You. That's Brilliant. right. Brilliant. Um, yeah, Jordan Peterson. This was a stupendous interview with Kathy Newman on Channel Four, but it was stupendous for many reasons. Um, now, uh, partly to do with the horrendous way both Kathy Newman and Channel Four have handled the aftermath of it, and I would have to. I mean, in my opinion, it is uh, uh, immensely toxic how it's been handled and uh, tragic, really, because. What was, in my opinion, a tide-turning interview for the entirety of mankind against cultural Marxism and toxic feminism, you know, a massive, massive turning point has been spun, um, yeah, to to uh, benefit the Marxists. <laughs> oh, has it? Is it? Are they winning? Yeah, they are winning now. Okay, well, tell me. Yeah. Okay, so the interview was beautiful, but now I have to say uh, that interview was perhaps the best example of 80s gender stereotypes played out live and unconsciously in public that I have ever seen. Wow. And Uh, the reaction to it, everyone? I was just saying, um, so Jordan Peterson talked a bit, Part of the interview was on gender issues and misconceptions where it's widely believed that certain imbalances in the outcomes between men and women are driven by discrimination. Whereas when you look at the data closer, more of it seems to be down to the different choices that men and women choose to make. For example, people talk about, um, oh, why aren't there more women in science, for example? And actually, if you look at sciences like biology and um, psychology, they were at one point male-dominated, but women have gone into them and they're now female-dominated. Because I've met a bunch of female engineering students in my life. I think, well, I say a bunch, I mean four or five, uh, almost as many as uh, male engineering students that I bumped into. (laughs) So they exist. But yeah. broadly speaking, broadly speaking, women aren't as interested in engineering as men are, broadly Absolutely. speaking. And that's Absolutely. fine. As So we shouldn't 
just because there's a gender imbalance in something, we shouldn't assume that it's down to discrimination because yes. men and women are different. And yes. they're not the thing is the interesting thing about the differences between men and women is there's no real big radical differences between men and women, but there's lots of very small ones and they add mm. up. Mm. And um, uh, so within the category of women, there's more variation between women and there's more variation between men than there are between men and women. But if we total it up and average it out, the little differences add up quite big. So I just want to give that context for anyone listening who hasn't seen the interview. Yeah. I recommend you go and check it out. It's half an hour long. Yeah. Kathy Newman, Jordan Peterson on YouTube. Anyway, Jordan Peterson was lampooned by his interviewer. She didn't go as far as to call him sexist, but she did suggest um i know and i don't i think actually there's a pretty good moment in it where he stumped her and he said ah, i've got yeah. you haven't i and i really admire her for going well yeah you have actually yeah. and she took a minute to collect her thoughts but what i would say for jordan peterson is he was very composed and he kept his cool he was inspiring and impressing uh, and to be honest, it's not a bad thing that someone tried to put his back to the wall and get him to justify these things because, you know, it creates a little bit of buzz and everyone uh, watching at home likes to, oh yeah, grill him. But uh, I mean, I guess it could have been a more charitable interview where she, she laid back and said, well, what do you mean by that? No, 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 no. Well, I think... But you, yeah. you Sorry, now... I'd like to give it give it back over to you. I just wanted to do that as a yeah. preamble because you're going to well, really tell yeah, us. You're going to tell really, us. <laughs> go for it, go for it. Yeah, I really enjoyed. Again, I really enjoy your perspective on things. So it was just nice to hear you talk about it there. Sure. Uh, the so to me, the substance of her interviewing was neither here nor there. Okay. But what was what was you know because uh, he was actually exemplary. Because what we saw playing out there was, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'll use the term again, 80s gender stereotype playing out. So I'll, I'll paraphrase, yes. I'll paraphrase and generalise my stereotype. So again, it's the 80s, it's a long time ago. But, you know, for some people, don't be too, uh, I'm not talking about stereotypes now or how things are now, it's from the 80s. So in the 80s, you would have this general stereotype of uh, a man being kind of stoic and factual, mm-hmm. you know. And a woman being kind of, um, uh, you know, so here's my here's how I paraphrased it on my social media feed, which has now been deleted by Facebook because it cleaned up all copies, certain copies of that video. But um, it was basically, you know, man, can't explain thing with facts. Woman completely misunderstands, gets wound up to near hysteria by her own misunderstanding mm-hmm. and then seeks to attack off the basis of that misunderstanding. That's so, so true. Exactly. The whole interview was that. Every single time, she intentionally seemed to misunderstand, misinterpret, yes. and get near, nearly hysterical about the false conclusion, what he wasn't saying at yeah. all. It was absolutely embarrassing. It was shameful. But what was amazing was, this was the first time in a public arena that a man has stood the full brunt 
of feminist fact-twisting and manipulation of data and manipulation of what he's saying and not just lose it, not just stand his ground, not just not lose his cool, not just get angry, but stay cool, laugh her off and win, 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 win. First time I've seen it. Amazing on every point. Now, I can't believe the feminist press in the backlash of this talking about how she had him on some points and gender pay gap and stuff like that because it's nonsense i don't understand how any intelligent person could listen to that debate and think that she won on any point i honestly question the the i don't care what phds they've got i question the intellectual capacity of for being objective of any individual that actually genuinely thinks that she came out of that looking good in any way, shape or form. No. In fact, the spectator the next day, in the spectator it said, that I can't remember who it was that said it, one of the spectator's commentators was like, he had never seen an interview go so badly for the interviewer and how and, and even questioned how could Channel 4 even let it go out. Yeah. But of course, I think there has been some PR on that because now... If you search this interview online, you'll find nothing about the astonishing and exemplary performance of Jordan Peterson. What you will instead find is the words misogyny and abuse. Right. And it is because of the fact that there were... Now, so because of her terrible performance, there was a lot of people calling uh, Kathy Newman a bunch of names on Twitter. Yes. So, and they focus, on, yeah, they focus on the trolls rather than... Jordan Peterson himself, because you can't call Jordan Peterson misogynistic. There's you nothing. Can't. There's nothing to cling on to there. He's never no. said anything misogynistic. No. And the thing is, what I find is, because you know, I've got, I've spoken to some people um, who identify as feminists. I did once. I'd, I'd rather just say I'm an egalitarian because I don't want to um, come down on either side of this, like feminist versus MRA. Camp. You know, I'm yeah. an individualist. Yeah. I believe in individual I, I, rights. I believe likewise. in individual rights. I, yeah, women's rights, men's rights is absurd. An individual yeah. has rights. So, yes. but sometimes yeah, anything else I, is sexist. Anything yeah, else is sexist. Sometimes <laughs> when I I debate or I have a discussion with them, I think that the feminist to me is often the misogynistic one because yes. because. They're painting a picture where men are these agent perpetrators and women are these fragile, hapless creatures who are not responsible for their actions because they're manipulated by men. And it's yeah. like, I don't have that view of women. I have the view of women that women are full agents. They're adults. Yes, they can go out and make a bad decision and uh, sleep, up, sleep with some um, smooth pickup artist. But that's not the end of the world because he, he so-called manipulated her into bed. Because chances are, if it wasn't that guy, it would have been someone else. She was set up for it. But she can go away, process that experience and think, ah, oh, I made a big mistake there. I should never do that again. And learn yeah. from it. They yeah. will make mistakes. Women make mistakes in their life. They're perfectly capable of learning from them. Men yeah. make mistakes in their lives. They're perfectly capable of learning from them. You can't protect people from their own level of consciousness. Yes. And, um, and <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the thing. Um, in my experience, you cannot save someone from making a mistake once. You can save someone from making the same mistake two, three, four, five, a dozen times. If you're there 
when they talk to you about that mistake they made and you go, here's where you went wrong. You did this, you did that, and you didn't know this and you didn't know that. They've got the context because of their mistake to go, yeah, you're totally right. I'm not going to do that again. Now, they might make the same mistake again two or three times, but they won't make it like a dozen times, like, you know, because you've given them the context. But see if they've never made that mistake before and you say, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Here's what's going to happen. They will ignore you because they want to. They want to make that decision and they don't have the context. Yeah. And even if they listen to your advice and don't go and make that mistake, they'll resent the fact that they didn't do what they wanted to do and they'll make that mistake again further down the line. So I don't know how this ties into our gender discussion, but you, I just got It's deeply, it's deeply related. No, it, it does, tell you know, me, it's funny. It, tie, it ties in even better than, than you and I could have planned because what's going on in... Um, you know, like you're saying about this, the people who identify as feminists are getting more and more intersectional about it. They're getting more and more nitpicky about expectations and details that are changing. And what we're what we're actually seeing here is a uh, misfiring masculine in them. And this is why I think uh, there's an element of, um, as you say, a bit of a bit of uh, a bit of. You know their their own misogyny towards themselves in there, where actually they hate the fragile and weak part of themselves, and they wish right. it wasn't there. And in and a way, they need society it out. to protect them. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. But what they're doing is they don't realise that to make a point like that or to draw a line like that, they need to use the masculine. And right. feminism has really sharpened up the masculine in women to the point that they are very good point makers now mm. and very good line drawers. But the problem is because they are new to it compared to men, it's mis firing they're actually making too many points and drawing too many lines and they can't actually rein it in they don't know how to temper their point making and it's damaging their ability to have relationships it's damaging their friendships it's damaging their family relationships and in a way it's, it's damaging culture itself it's, it's threatening society itself like like i've come to be more optimistic about things because when you're growing up you get this view that there's like all these problems in the world but when you look at it you we don't actually appreciate how new our freedoms are right for most of the for most of history after, since the invention of agriculture you don't own your labor your your feudal lord does right you don't have much leisure time because you have to work on a farm over 60 hours a week. You so, um, you don't choose who you marry. You live where your parents live. You do the same job that your parents did, right? Now, only in the last 250 years have we started to explore freedom in all of these areas. And we didn't have very long to adapt. So... The feminists came along and said, well, women don't have these freedoms that men have. Let's give them these freedoms. And then uh, men had to adjust to a new role. Um, yeah. And we have... But let's, so let's, be, let's be aware, let's also contextualise this as well, because in a very real way, um, feminism has only been able to arise in the way that it does mm -hmm. as a result of a, yeah. a certain established comforts. Yes. It's only because, as you, you were alluding to the struggle mm -hmm. there. Now, don't get me wrong, men and women have struggled forever. Forever. Yeah. Because life is a struggle. And we struggle perhaps less physically than our ancestors did because, and this is, a, I'm writing an article about this just now, but it's a really important point here. 
and it's uh, it's one of the things that's throwing off the arena at the minute. And it is that. So at the minute, there's a lot of stuff uh, oppressed from feminism, for like you're saying, for freedoms and rights, you know, or whatever, um, as if there had been collusion to prevent that rather than it just being the way market and function went. Yeah, Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. There was a division of labour because women need to hold a child for nine months and they're fragile. If you lose the women in the tribe... The tribe cannot procreate, but exactly. you can you can lose half the men, you can lose three quarters of the men in the tribe, and the tribe can still sustain itself. So there was a yes. division of labour around keeping women safe, and yes. that was necessary until our societies became highly abundant. Exactly, and, and safe. Safe passage I, was assured. Right. So I would you just know? like to say, if people want to hear more about that, they can hear our previous podcast on youtube and um, mm. it's called the myth of patriarchy controversial title but check yeah. it out now we do need to wrap up because you, you know oh, wow. you know you and i like we could like talk forever but yeah. um we we, we, we we can do a part two if you want okay so, how long have we got okay do we know we got like a minute or something is it i want to wrap up be, with a homage before you do that okay do that first yeah Okay, so well, it's it's homage, ancestral homage, basically, because I think it's an important thing for us to all recognise because of how we have to struggle less for certain things. And it's why I think it's the only reason why we're having the problem we have just now with the scorn and the disdain and the demands that are being placed upon men in our culture. And it's because what what is you know i see so many men on the run in different ways because of how their behaviors and their self-mastery sexually and sensually is being judged mm-hmm. and what most people aren't aware of is the fact that um, the only reason men are so disposable now men have always been disposable but they're more disposable now more scornable by women now is because the very things that those women would have needed a man for have been codified and they've been codified in tools and in state structures that are the codified masculine and i am gutted i am gutted at the insolence of modern culture and how it scorns and spurns the man because of how poorly he's handling sexual mastery but but while these very people are using the codified masculine like an exoskeleton like a robo suit of safety and capacity that allows them to not need a man and i'll give you what example of what i mean by that so right now, you and I can go out and spend £9 on a saw. Right? We can buy a saw with 32 teeth on it that have been machined, and that saw will work, it will be balanced, it's got edge, it's going to function well. It was only a couple of hundred years ago that each, each tooth on that saw would have been hand-cut and hand-sharpened, and it wouldn't have been disposable like it is now. You can go in with 20 quid, you can go and buy a drill, and you can drill 3 millimetres in concrete. I mean, this is absolutely staggering let me contextualize this for a minute so not people don't realize how little has changed it it takes as long now to forage the food the the wood to make a fire as it it did ten thousand years ago you Mm. cannot do it any quicker it takes as long now to build a shelter from nothing as it did five thousand years ago you cannot do it any quicker except for the codification in tools and machinery and roads and this is our ancestors this is our fathers that have given this to us they have just it's just lying there for us as a gift and to me the petulance and the 
and the kind of arrogance with which it's been picked up and worn like an exoskeleton of safety and comfort, which it is, and then used to attack those very men as oppressors and thieves and abusers when they actually laid everything at yes. the feet of family and yeah. women. I am outraged. I am ang- I am furious, yeah. especially for the very fact that these women are wearing masculinity as an exoskeleton in their fancy smartphones and their cars and their roads and the police that they call and the state structures that they depend on that yeah, men the, the... gave them. Yes, and, and, you know, on that point, it's like if you're a single mother... Now, you'll get more welfare, you might get a free house and things like that. Most of the tax money to pay for that came from taxing money for men. On the other hand, most of the recipients of state funds are women. So what we're saying, and and yet we're told that this structure is set up for men to benefit men at the expense of women. But it's not like that. Men want to protect women. It's a natural instinct. Exactly. But exactly. so, and, and we've created and we've societal structures to do that. At the same time, you know, a famous feminist once said, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Well, stop taking well, stop accepting welfare paid through taxes by men then. If you stop don't, using if you tools. Don't stop stop u- using tools. Stop yeah. using tools. Stop <laughs> using vehicles. Stop using machinery. Otherwise, you're gender, gender appropriator. Gender right. appropriator. It's appropriation. So they've appropriated the fruits of a gender... Yeah, appropriated okay. the fruits of a gender, the gifts of a gender, and then claimed that it didn't come, you know, basically pretending yeah. it didn't come from there, and now can say they don't need you because it's been so well codified. Such a good job has been done of handing over what the men have achieved over these millennia to make the wild and harsh world habitable and comfortable. And notice that feminism only arose when it started to get comfortable. As a yeah, woman, because, and then, I mean, then you've got women, women now. Just, let me just finish well, here. When you, you've got women now, you've got these, you've got these women now who who will be sitting in plush offices, looking out, thinking, "Men, this is what they've been keeping from us all these years. These comfy offices and warm things and blooming, you know, coffee machine." Just like, no, no, actually, that is the most recent mine. fruit. It was going down a mine. Now, and this is the thing: it's like ninety-three percent of workplace deaths are still men. Where's yeah. the gender equality there? That's where the gender pay gap comes from, is the fact that the dangerous jobs are men. Women are not pushing to go down mines or climb up construction towers that are hundreds of feet above the ground or to go on the oil rigs. It's a complete nonsense. They're just pursuing the top jobs and the most prestigious places. It's just it's just a nonsense. It just I can't I can't believe that it's seen as a tenable sort of gender pursuit at all. It's such a twistedness. I don't even know where to go with that. You know? Well, wherever you're going to go with that, I'm sure we'll catch up on it. Before we yeah. go, you said um, you wanted to disclose the biggest lie that oh you've been told. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and you said it was a quick one, so let's hear yes. what it is. Okay. So there's loads of things that I have been lied to about in the, the basic structure of our culture and the way it's going. You know, things like, uh, met, met, you know, um, <laughs> Where to start with that is a whole list. For example, benevolent governance. <laughs> you know, there's been numerous lies. Benevolent governance was a new, was a, was one was one lie. Um, you know, the the premises of feminism because I used to be a feminist is another another lie. Um, but none of these are as big as the one uh, that I want to share now. Uh, because and it's mainly because I mean it's as big, but the impact of this is bigger than any other. And it is that a family is a burden. All oh, right. Okay. The family is a burden and the children are a burden um, and that is a reasonable thing 
to uh, not have children. And again, I think this is to do with mainly the ability to enjoy oneself in pleasures and individual personal pursuits these days that causes people to go off it. But I think as a culture, we're kind of turning against children more and more. Definitely, uh, especially in Western nations where we've got such a low birth rate. Yes, it's it's really dangerous. That's the point. What's happening here is, you're right, the the birth rate is actually dying in in Western nations. And uh, the only reason the birth rate looks like it's going up is because of migrancy. And in in a very real way, the white races of the West are dying. Mm -hmm. And it's because of of the so-called birth control. What it's actually done is, it's it's basically, it's, it's, it's ended the natural... Uh, matching of birth rates in the West and the East and the Middle East. And it's, uh, people are not seeing the impact of this. It's huge. And this is about the tree of life here. And what we're talking about here is people that are choosing for numerous different reasons. They're reasoning themselves into ending their entire genetic lineage. And to me, this is like, this is, I cannot believe that you can take a native you know, amazing entity of a human, stick them in a box for a number of years and convince them of something like overpopulation by showing them some pictures of cities and then some pictures of some starving people rather than the thousands of miles of empty fields and uninhabited places and mountains of food that go to waste. You know, it's like it's 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 staggering to me that people will 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 rationalize off this and because of the ability to enjoy yourself more this in this day and age with travel and podcasting and whatnot it's really easy to not see the importance of your lineage to the world and to think that all, everything of your line goes with you if you don't now don't get me wrong not everybody needs to have children not everybody should have children and all the rest of it but if you're one of the ones that thought the world is too you know dangerous to bring a world human into why would you want to bring a world in human into a world like this it's overpopulated it's this that and the other whatever all of that rubbish it's the safest time in history according to according to steven pinker you uh a very prominent (laughs) a very prominent academic his studies show that this is the safest time in recorded history to be alive there was a time in human history where the most common cause of death was homicide so the main thing is is just like wow really that's horrific yeah, That's that was horrific. the main cause of human death because your tribal society, yes. um, hunter-gatherers. Yes. Uh, hunter-gatherers, a hunter-gatherer lifestyle could only support so many on the planet and when resources were scarce, tribes went to war. So, of course. And, of course. And, they, and also, if, if you had too many kids for the tribe to support, you'd just commit infanticide. You had yes. to. You had to. Yes. So... Um, this is this is how far we've come. The well, only, let's, let's the only let's thing I'd say here. in this point: abortion, abortion is infanticide. Okay. Abortion is infanticide, and there's been 60 million at least instances of that in, within a generation. So this is this is a strategy that's being used. You know, obviously the use of the hormonal birth pill to prevent conception is one thing, but if you are terminating after conception, it, it is infanticide because. Nobody knows how conception happens, you know, nobody knows how life begins, but we do know how to end it. And that's somebody else's quote. That's an abortion. That's an abortion doctor's quote. Okay. He stopped aborting after he did. But that's, I just want to be clear here. So we do we do engage in infanticide in the West and it's a common practice. In fact, it's encouraged. It's an encouraged practice. Uh, it certainly is encouraged and, um, paid, uh, and paid with by state funds. Uh, yes. We can get into the political element of that another time, another time, because because we really are short on time. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the only thing I wanted to say is um, 
even though we live in the safest time uh, in history, the we do not we live in the most comfortable time in many ways. We have a Hoover, um, washing yes. machine, dishwasher, and what have you. Yes. We do not live in the most peaceful time in the mind, and I think this mm-hmm. is in part because throughout history, people. Uh, had to work in a farm so their body was strong most people if you did farm work for two hours you'd conk out and you wouldn't wake up the next day Mm. you might not know that your body was meant to be strong but your body knows that it was meant to be strong so if your body isn't fit if you get out of breath quickly if you've not got the muscle mass you should have if you're not flexible because you sit on a chair all day your body knows that it's not in the condition that it's going to be and pro- produces anxiety and fearfulness uh, and probably depression and probably other conditions and um, you know most people couldn't climb up a tree to save themselves if a tiger ran out after them that wasn't the case throughout human history the other thing that i think is a contributing factor and i'm sure there's more than these two is because we didn't have all the distractions we have now throughout history, if you had an emotional upset or upheaval, you're working on a farm, you've got nothing to do while you're working but think about, feel about, uh, process the emotion and move on. Nowadays, we don't have to process our emotions. We just put on a podcast, we put on the TV, uh, we go out for a drink and so on, so on, so on, so on. So I think this fact that the body is not fit and that people do not have downtime where they're not where they're not assimilating information so they can't assimilate their emotions has de- has led to the um, the amount of dysfunction we're seeing. So I just think, like, if you do have kids, get them into, like, exercise, get them into yoga, um, you know, know, know how to talk to them about their emotions, let them express the, their emotions freely without judgment, and just say, wow, like, you're really angry about that, or, gee, you sure sound upset. Yeah, I am upset. And, you know, give give that free free emotional expression literacy to your kids and we'll avoid a lot of the problems that we've seen uh, from our modern society. Yeah, I think I think I've really I mean I've got a few children now and I've got a real insight now, you know, in terms of how I've changed because of I've seen both the cost because of course everybody can see what the cost of having children is in terms of loss of personal freedom and change of priorities and things like that. Of course that's the case. But the depth of reward and reorientation toward life is a significant thing that can be understated. So I was, you know, it, you know, I was quite an ungrounded individual, and it's been really helping me ground out and tie me back into life and see Lovely. that there, and to, to, you know, to not give up as I otherwise would have done, to give up on people, to give up on the world, to give up on life. Whereas having children has forced me to not give up, and uh, I know that seems like it's negative, but it's 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 shown me that life plays a long haul game. And awesome. when I've thought about when I've thought about um, uh, you know the impact I'd like to make on the world with my work and things like that, um, and I, you know to me that was a major, a ma- you know it's a major thing. It burns in me daily, regardless of how little I actually put out there. But um, what's fascinating for me is that you know I still think that the biggest long-term impact that I make on life is in my children because. They are an arrow that can make another arrow that can make another arrow that can make another arrow, and 
you know, who knows how, how far ahead life has plans and uh, how far it's thinking when it when it flings ideas like this. And this is why I've been saying to people that even if you don't have children, it's in all of our interests to treat children well yes. and to give them the space to become capable. Because even if you don't want children, the point is they're the ones that are going to be wiping your bum or spoon feeding you in your dotage, or they're the ones you know at the home, or they're the ones that are going to be serving you your red wine in the restaurant or something like that. So so it's in everybody's interest to treat each other well, you know, and. Uh, uh, yeah, just that. It's, it's, yeah. it's significant, you know. And and otherwise, are, it's, yeah. And there are certainly some episodes of this show where I've interviewed some parenting experts. So if you've not heard those yet at home, go through the archives. Master Dioji, thank you so much for your time today. It will not be the last time you're on this show. This has been my favorite, one of my favorite episodes. And uh, so thank you for coming on by, and we will speak again. Pleasure. Thank you for having me.